When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. Welcome to episode 43 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and I am all alone in the rack shack again. Charles has tasked himself with traveling the world to find Ted Nugent and ask him why he still hasn't come on the show. So props to him. (laughs) Anyway, part two of the Leatherwood Outdoors podcast with John Royer. This podcast was so much fun to record. It's just the continuation of the first one. We talk a little bit more about snake hunting. We go into his favorite deer stories. I mean, he's just he's just a really cool dude to talk to. And I think you guys will enjoy this one. Now, I'm not really sure exactly where you're at, but, I mean, if you go into north-central PA and you hunt a full day, sooner or later you'll see one. Okay. Um, Because there's very few times anymore that I've gone out and not, you know, found any snakes. Because weather does have a big factor, you know, if it really rains really hard, if it's blowing wind a lot, they don't seem to be out. And if it's super, super hot, then they got to regulate their body temperature since they're cold-blooded. So they'll come in and out of the rocks. They might come out for a little bit, go under for a little bit. So you could be on a line or, you know, a gas line, power line, or going through the woods or whatever and walk past all these rocks. You don't see any snakes. You don't even hear them rattle. That doesn't mean on the way back that they won't be there because I've seen it happen. Saw a guy on a line, and most guys see snake hunters out on a line and like, ah, that's already hunted. Yeah, we might as well turn around. But 
if there's two guys that are coming towards each other, this happened once where there was a guy coming towards us and we walked up and we said, well, there's nothing out here. And we both knew that doesn't mean anything because yeah. the rocks we passed <laughs> that didn't find anything doesn't mean that now a half hour later that there's snakes under. So he went back to check the rocks we checked and we went behind him to check the rocks that he checked. Well, we took a little bit of a slower time. So he already checked the rocks and was walking back behind us. We got to the one rocks where he already checked, and there was five rattlesnakes, wow. small ones, out yeah. on a rock. And he's walking past. And I said, did you check this rock when you come by? He said, yeah. I said, were there any snakes here? He said, no. I said, well, there's five one, five, you know, small snakes out on this rock right now. He goes, really? I said, yep. He goes, I checked all around that, never heard a rattle. <laughs> and that was literally maybe a half hour, 40 minutes later. That so, is absolutely crazy, man. That's that, that did that did give me some more confidence. Now my uh, I'm rejuvenated. I'm ready to get back out there again. But <laughs> you know we yeah, were I've we still were gone on a lot of places where I haven't found snakes. Yeah, and when I do go on a place that I didn't find any, if it looks really really snaky, meaning you just you get that feeling once you've been around enough of good spots that you just have that sense of like there's just got to be snakes here. Then I'll come back a second time. And mm-hmm. if I don't find anything there, then I usually write it off. Okay. And there's been places where I've hunted um, in some counties that may only have a very super, super, super small population of rattlesnakes. So it's sort of a challenge just to see if you can find one. And I remember in one county, I'm not going to name the county, but it took me four years Jeez. to find a rattlesnake. And... It was really a place I wasn't expecting them. But I went around to like neighbors and people that live close and, and looking at maps and trying to figure out anything that I could find to pinpoint where it was. And it, and it still took me four years, probably going there two times a year for four years till I found them. But each time I hit a different spot each time till I found them. So even where there are rattlesnakes, sometimes they can be hard if there's just not that big of a population of them. That makes sense. So. I feel like that goes with everything. <clears throat> I'm kind of wondering. We were near Marionville. I don't know if that's a good or bad area or not. We we thought there were snakes up there, but I've never seen one up there. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've hunted up there one year. I mean, it was close to the Marionville area. Yeah. And uh, we we hit a spot and... We found a lot of small snakes. Okay. And it wasn't a spot where it was either going to be one of those ones where we were going to find some big giant ones or we were probably weren't going to find anything at all. Hmm. But we found a, a few small ones. But to get to where it was, it was kind of like, this was kind of cool to come back in here and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, there's a lot of other spots that I think we'll, I think we'll come back to this maybe years down the road, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that makes and, sense. Uh, but we did run into some other snake hunters that were headed back to that spot on our way out. So okay. we thought, well, you know, this has already been hunted too by other known snake hunters. We thought, and don't ever think that you're finding someplace new that snake hunters <laughs> haven't known about. You know, we thought there's nobody knows about this place. And we passed two snake hunters and they're like, do you literally hit that spot? And it, you know, they saw me from the videos like, how did you know about that spot? And it's like, well, that's what a snake hunter does. <laughs> I'm telling you, you you want to be really, really careful of what you post in a video um, because I'm telling you, you would be surprised that of what a snake hunter 
can do to find a new place to rattlesnake hunt. It's just there's people that can, you know, like power lines. If you see a picture of a power line that has one pole for the power line or three poles <laughs> or it's metal from wood or it's not a power line and it's gas line and all they need to do is, you know, hear county or anything close like, oh, yeah, we stopped at so-and-so on the way home to eat. And they can retrace your steps and figure it out online in maps and pinpoint. And so that's really careful of where you say, even whether it's a gas line or power line, I usually just say on a line. Yeah. And a line could be in the middle of the woods. I mean, that last video that I just posted, I said, here at the end of the line, we found two rattlesnakes. Oh. That line was literally a 100-yard rock cliff in the middle of the woods. <laughs> well. So a line is just a section of land that you hunt for rattlesnakes. That doesn't necessarily mean a power line, a gas line. Okay. Um, it's just a section of area <laughs> that you hunt because you usually cover it in one one motion. Yeah, and so that's why snake hunters are so tight-lipped because the snakes, even though there are so many, to find those big snakes, they live such a long time. It takes such a long time for them to get that big that a lot of guys really don't want to be seen anywhere near their snake hunting spots and they are not going to show any pictures they're not going to give you any information now i show a lot of stuff on the youtube videos and pretty much i review everything that i'm showing and if i'm showing i know what i'm showing and if you're most of the places i'm showing are already known very good snake hunting places yeah okay and if you see county or anything like that, or any type of information. If you can figure out the puzzle, then it's probably not going to be anything that a lot of other people don't already know about, because right. we do see a lot of other people when we're snake hunting. But if, if when I start going into, you know, not showing county or anything else, then, uh, then that's where something that, you know, you don't want to give anything away that could lead somebody whether it's a hunter, but there's also a lot of people out there that just, you know, they just want to go to kill the snakes. And then there, you got these people that are like in the black market. They'll, they'll just try to take the snakes from the wild to sell them on the black market. Oh, too. So they'll take tons and tons of snakes out of one area and you don't want that happening. Yeah. Either. Never thought yeah. about that threat. No, Man, this is, this is like worse than the waterfowl gang, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The snake hunters, you know, the old saying, uh, loose lips catch snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it goes. <laughs> it does in this game, my man. <laughs> All right, well. But there's we, a lot of people, there's really not anything, nobody that does any guiding, but yeah. just it really, you just put your time into it, and you always definitely want to go with somebody else. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go look for snakes, but you don't want to be, you know, hunting, planning on picking up snakes you know, by yourself and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah and then, yeah. and then, then you have the tongs too. One thing I'd like to say about the tongs is there's different types of tongs. There's wide grip tongs and there's like really pointy tongs. And I've seen a lot of guys that when you catch a big snake, it might get wrapped around some brush or around a rock. Not, you're not supposed to pull them out from under a rock because number one, if you catch a big snake, you're just going to tear it all up anyways. And it's, you're going to ruin your, your hydro snake. 
but you don't want to be doing that because if you don't get it, you're probably going to be breaking a lot of the ribs in that snake's body. But sometimes the snakes will thrash around and guys are putting a pretty good grip on them. Now, a snake can flatten itself out pretty good because they can go through really thin cracks under those rocks. Oh, yeah. But there's guys that when they're thrashing around, they're grabbing them too far up near the head or too far in the back. So if you really want a snake to try to bite you, just try to grab that tong around it. The first half of its head or near its tail. So <laughs> there's too many people that that's where they grab the snake because they, they're afraid if they grab it in the body, the snake has all that length to maybe come back and, and bite them. But grabbing them in the middle of the body, the thickest, meatiest part of their body is going to be number one, the safest because you're not going to break anything or hurt the snake as much. And because of that, you're not hurting the snake. The snake's not going to get as mad as if you grabbed him 10 inches behind the head and so, or near the base of the tail. And so always try to grab the snake in the middle of the body and just use just enough pressure in your grip just to keep the snake from moving. Now, that doesn't mean to keep him from moving a half inch. If he's wiggling around, then just move him and keep picking him up and moving him and picking him up and moving him. But some people grab so tight that the snake's working so hard that it starts to rip the hide. And mm. so sometimes guys will wrap their tongs with maybe tape or something softer than just the bare metal on the corners. But one thing about it is, is tongs don't hurt snakes. People hurt snakes. So it's the same thing with guns. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> so the, I can lay that tong in with the snake all day long, and that tong is not going to hurt the snake because there's a big uh, group of people that are anti-tongs. But you want to be able to understand how to hold that snake because if you decide not to keep that snake, you want that snake to grow long and make more snakes. So, you know, it's sort of looking at it in the long run that, yes, on one hand, we do have lots of snakes in the state as a whole. But in general locations, that one big snake, there's not going to be that many of them. <laughs> no, that makes total sense, man. That's honestly all of that was just super solid advice, man. Yeah, it's it's a lot of advice I think I needed <laughs> for just because going into it, you know, other than watching your videos, I had no clue really what to do or how to do anything. I just wanted to go see a snake. That's what I was all about. I, I've never seen one. I just wanted to go and find one, see one, maybe handle one, you know, get them tubed and just check them out. I think that would have been super cool experience just to see and feel a rattlesnake. But <laughs> I told Sam yeah. that day, we were sitting there in the shade trying to cool off after climbing this mountain. And uh I said, you know what? I don't know why, but why do so many people go through all this effort, do all this, crush yourself? You're walking through some pretty tough terrain at times too with that rocky yeah. terrain. All to try to find a snake that's venomous and that could potentially kill you if it bit you. Think yeah. about that from an outside source. It makes you feel a little <laughs> wacky. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. And, you know, that's another reason why I recommend tongs. But at the same time, I say that knowing that there's going to be somebody out there that's going to hurt a snake using tongs if they don't know what they're doing. And so... On one hand, you know, a lot of people just use a hook, just a snake hook. They'll pick the rattlesnake up by the base of where the rattle is and then hold the hook with the snake in the middle and work that snake that way into the tube. But, you know, I don't ever plan to get bit. 
And obviously, I'm sure most guys don't. I don't know anybody. I, I say that because I actually had a guy that wanted to go snake hunt with me because he wanted a rattlesnake to bite him in the arm. Oh, my so he God. Me. He's like, I just want to see what it feels like. I'm like, yeah, I'm never taking you rattlesnake hunting. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you, 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 Idiot. I'm never taking you rattlesnake hunting. And uh, But anyways, there are crazy people out there like that. But nobody really wants to get bit. But what I'm saying is, is I want, like, the least amount of chance because – most of the rattlesnake hunters that have gotten bit are guys that have so much experience with rattlesnakes. And there's two types of people that I've noticed that get bit. The the first type of person that gets bit, and I'm talking people who handle snakes. I'm not talking about the person who was walking through the woods and accidentally fell and got bit by a snake. I'm talking about people who are handling snakes. Is number one, the people who did not look up the rules and regulations or try to learn anything about the snake itself, have no respect for the snake. They're they're just all about just trying to kill a snake and they're just wrestling with the snake and they're beginners and they get bit. And they might still go years without getting bit, but they're doing it the same way. They've never been taught a proper way of how to safely handle the snake or anything like that. Those types of people get bit. And any other types of people that get bit are the ones that are so relaxed and they've let their guard down. Complacency kills, man. And they're so experienced that they've, you know, it's like picking up the snake with their bare hands and almost like a snake charmer type feel where they're so confident on that they've handled so many snakes just with their hands or with hook and hand that They've been doing it for so many years, maybe even longer than I've been snake hunting, and they've never gotten bit. But they still have that bite on their record that they did get bit one. <laughs> and it could be – I've looked back at some of my videos, and I've seen some of things that I didn't realize that I did, like picking up tongs too close to the snake's head, having my hand too close to the snake when I let it back out of the tube. And I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> because at the time – I've already picked up hundred a hundred snakes, and I'm like looking at I'm like that video. What in the world? I didn't even realize to me that I was that close. So I don't want a single. I don't want to get uh, you know. I still have a re- uh, fear of the snake, a uh, respect for the snake. I still get goosebumps when I see one, a big you know rattlesnake laying next to rock. rock. I still get goosebumps when I see one. Even if it's a little one, it's like, whoa, that's really cool. But at the same time, I'm not going to try to be manly and try to say, oh, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm big snake hunter here and pick it up by my bare hands. Even if I don't get bit, I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to show anybody else that either because their snakes are so strong when they get so big and they're so fast when they strike that really can't afford to get bit if you're back two miles in the middle of nowhere and you don't have cell service. No, that makes total sense, man. You know, so I don't want it. I don't want people seeing me with a hook in my hands picking up a 50 inch rattlesnake. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody else is going to be like, oh, no, that, that's what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's, I just not going to show myself doing that. Now, I do have one video way back a long time ago. I picked the snake up with my bare hands, and that was the last time I ever did it. That was the first time <laughs> I ever did it when we were first snake hunting. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> you got bigger balls than me, man. Yeah, <laughs> then, that's going to take some experience. <laughs> yeah. it, it was basically between me and a friend of mine, and we're like, oh, who's going to pick up snake first? And, you know, with our bare hands, you know, like this, you know, 
tough guy competition. And then after I did it, I'm like, that was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he did it, the snake, because when you start gripping that snake around the head, number one, that's where the softer parts of the snake are and the sensitive parts of the snake are. He's going to get real mad. Well, he had a, a snake in his hand and it curled around. And the, like the fang was like a quarter inch from going into his wrist, the inside oh, of his wrist. Man. And then he just hurried up and dropped the snake and it ran under, you know, got under a rock. And that was the last time. And we're like, this, no more picking up snakes. Because when we first started snake hunting, any snake hunter we saw was basically using just a hook in their bare hand. Now, that was still, like I said, before we started hunting, you didn't have to measure them. So a snake was a snake. You can, if you can get into a pillow sack and, you know, tie a knot into it, you didn't have to tube it, count the scales on the back and stuff like that. But Yeah. No, that um, makes total sense, man. That makes total but sense. just, there's nothing in the rules that say you have to use like a hook and you have to use tongs they're just suggested but i'm not going to show any I, I don't want anybody to recommend picking the snake up with their bare hands and i know a lot of people are pushing for more people to use a hook uh for the snake's sake but for me i'm going to be making videos and for their sake <laughs> i would rather have a snake with a couple broken ribs than somebody getting bit because they saw me trying to do it with hook and hand and they wanted to do that too and get bit no, I mean, that's a liability thing, too. I mean, just because you're out there and you're showing people that you can do it doesn't mean that they can. You have, like you said, 10, 15 years experience doing it, and you're still trying yeah. to be careful doing it. You don't want to get oh. bit. There's nobody that wants to get bit by a rattlesnake. That's just a bad decision. Yeah, you got to respect the animal as well. I mean, this is still an animal that's very venomous. It, it It's what it can do. It's not what it typically does. It's what it can do. You know, with most yeah. animals, they're wild. They're wild animals. You know, anything can happen at any time. You have to respect the animal and you have to take precautions so you don't get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt. This is supposed to be having fun, enjoying the outdoors, going on new adventures. Nobody wants to have to rush you to the hospital or be three miles back and figure out, okay, now what? You know, <laughs> that's right. that's what you want to avoid. Exactly. So, exactly. But, all right. And so what else are you thinking, Austin? I mean, I know we kind of touched a lot of things here. Do you have anything else? Uh do you want to move on from there, hit some rapid fires, or do you want to get a favorite story from John? I want to get a favorite deer story. Okay. John, you you ready to move on from snakes? I know you're pretty passionate about yeah, it, man. Favorite <laughs> favorite deer story. It could be your first deer. It could be your last deer, your biggest deer. Anything that you want to talk about, man. Man. Or the one that got away. Oh, uh, there's there's so many. I'm trying to think of some that were that were pretty crazy. Oh man. Let me think here. Well, we can just talk about that thirty forty Craig Buck. Dude, I'm so glad. I was so hoping you would bring that one up. <laughs> That's my favorite deer story of yours. <laughs> I thought I'd bring that one up because I get so many emails saying that that's one of their favorite videos is that 3040 Craig Buck. And the story with that is my uh, my grandfather had all these old guns and stuff. So there for a few Christmases, he was there's th three of us grandkids. And he said, I'll give each one of you one of my old guns. And I'll figure out which one, you know, try to evenly, you know, price-wise what they were worth. And, and then you guys pick up from a hat and you get whatever number, you know, goes with the gun. Well, there was that 3040 Craig and, and that was the one I wanted because my grandfather was telling me about how nice it was. And it was like in pristine condition and stuff like that. And, you know, it was literally built in 1899, I think. So anyways, I ended up getting that 2520 that I've used in several videos. But my cousin got the 3040 Craig, and I said, 
I said to him, I said, I want to kill a deer with that rifle. He goes, okay, yeah. He goes, you get ammo for it, you can shoot a deer with it. So I don't know why, but, you know, since I started getting those guns, I thought, I'm going to start using these guns in some of the videos to shoot doe during the rifle season. So that's where I started doing this old rifle thing uh, every year, trying to shoot a doe with a really old rifle. And uh, so I got that gun, and it was the second week of the rifle season. And now this this big buck has been known the whole season. Family members, friends have seen it, neighbors seen it in archery season, and this deer moved like crazy. I mean, he showed himself to everyone everywhere, and he was running like a three-mile circle around. And because I would hear people talk about him, and then here he was over here, and here he was there. And so on the first Saturday of rifle season, I, no, it was the first Friday, the first Friday of the rifle season. I'm sitting up in the stand, and I hear a gunshot where he was originally being seen. Cousin from Florida saw him twice on opening day and never got a shot at him. He was laying in a little pocket of a field, and he walked by that field two times during the opening day, and he circled back and went back to that same spot in that field, and he jumped him twice, and both times he never got a shot at him. So I knew he was still out there. Well, I heard a shot out that way because my cousin that lives up here was still hunting. I thought, he got him. He got him because that, that's got to be the only buck up there. So I got out of my stand early because I – I'm like, and this is like a mile and a half away. I hear the shot. I'm like, I know that's where he got him. So I get out of my stand early. And I drive up the road past our farm and I don't see his vehicle anywhere. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't him because he's not even hunting today. So I turn around. I'm like, I just got out of my stand right at prime time. <laughs> yeah. So I turn around and it's already getting dark. It's like right this time now. I mean, it's sun's already down. And I look up in my pasture field and there he is standing, that big buck standing right in the middle of our pasture field, ready to jump over the fence and jump over the road. So I jumped, I had the video camera and I videotaped him for a second. And I'm like, man. So that Saturday, I put my trail camera in the pines where I usually hunt with my wife on every opening Saturday and sometimes on the opening day. Well, that time we decided we're going to go up on the hill and watch for deer in part of the fields. So after that opening day, I go down and I check my trail camera and there, that buck walked 20 yards right past our stand, and my wife would have had a 20-yard shot at him oh, my first goodness. thing, 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's like, you seriously don't want me to shoot a buck, do you? <laughs> she's still trying to get her first buck. And I'm like, I had no idea. Now, the thing is, that buck traveled a mile and a half and come by my trail camera because he was a mile and a half away. And that was at dark, and at 9.30 in the morning, he was headed back where he came from because he wasn't coming from that direction. He was already going back that direction. So this buck was really moving a lot. So through the week, I thought, all right, well, I'm going to shoot a doe. You know, towards the end of the week, nobody's seeing the buck. I haven't seen him. I don't know where he's at. He must be really in hiding now. And so now I'm going to go out and shoot a doe. So I leave the house, and I walk up across the creek up along the side of the road, uh, logging road. And on the other side of the creek, there's a little mowed off place where the power line is. And what I was planning on doing, like I almost, did, I almost walked out of the house without my camera because all I thought I was going to do was just, I was going to spook all the deer because they lay back in the woods here on, along this, uh, creek. And I was going to spook them out of there. And then I would come back later and, kind of watch them funnel back down in towards evening and hopefully have my camera and wait for one shoot 
shoot one. I thought, no, if I'm taking the camera, I'll end, if, if I walk out there, there'll be a doe just staying there forever, and I won't have my video camera. So I bring my video camera, and so walk out across the creek, and I already had the camera set up on the tripod, and all of a sudden I looked across the stream, and I saw him walking right across. So all I did was fling open the tripod, flipped open the screen, and I never had to adjust that camera. It was like perfectly set straight where it needed to be. So that helped me a lot because I just fling, flinged open the tripod, opened the thing, and there it is on. And I just right above it, and like I was not expecting. Like this is completely different aiming it with this gun at a deer because it's like a peephole sight. Oh yeah. And uh, my my cousin's like, yeah, hmm. this thing is dead on. I'm like, well, I know. I'm like, well, let's let's try this. And so the first shot, and I knew I, I already had it in my mind. If I if I miss, I know what to do. And so I shot, and that thing didn't move, and hurried up, racked another one, shot, and I didn't feel like I did anything different. I aimed the same place, did everything the same. It just, I had to have pulled on the first shot or something, and second shot dropped him. And, because I knew that was him the moment I saw him, but I was not expecting to see him at all. Because that trail camera picture I had of him, I believe was one of the only pictures I had of him on all of the property that I hunt, because he was might have just come around through here once in a while. And it was like the second time he was on. And so, yeah. Uh And I, I sort of hit him like top of the lung a little bit, you know, high shoulder. And so when I got up to him, I had to put another one in him. But he laid there motionless for like forever until I got over there. And then he sort of got up. I had to put another one in him. And he made uh Pennsylvania record book, scored 147 and a half, I believe. Oh, man. Uh That's gross. 140... One or one forty two net. So net is bottom for fishing, of man. the PA record books is one forty. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. It just I just couldn't believe it. I mean I I did everything wrong because I almost walked on that side of the creek to push the dough across and right. I didn't. And I'm like, now nah, I'll go to the other side of the creek. And then it was like I almost didn't bring my camera. And it's just like, man, I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. And I was still in shock. I just couldn't believe it. And um I, I still can't believe that he didn't bust any points off. I mean, his his G twos and G threes were so long. He was skinny. He got most of his mostly. You have bucks at that age that make a record book. They have a lot of mass, and he didn't have mass. He just had length and height. And he was only fourteen and a half inside. Wow. So I mean, his beam oh, lengths yeah. were long. His points were long, yeah. and it, it just for him not to bust a point off was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I completely forgot about this. The day before opening day. Did you ever see the the buck fight video? I don't. I'm sure I have because I've, I've definitely watched probably all of your videos once or twice. It was, it was either on the first. I think we have that video on our second channel, Leatherwood Outdoors, too. But be, the night before opening day, we're all down at camp getting ready, ready to play our annual poker game and stuff with all friends and family. My grandfather comes in from coming from the farm because our farm is just up the road a mile. And he goes, hey, there's two big bucks locked antlers on the road. I'm like, what? So we all go up there, and there they are, all bloody-faced, and the one you could see blood coming down along its eye, down along its cheek. And here's this massive eight-point in that ten-point. And my grandfather couldn't get around them because they were fighting on the road. And they finally made their way off into our hayfield, and he could get around them. And then he came down, they were still up there. Well, I don't know what we were going to do, but everyone ran down there with spotlights, and then they, they finally, you know, got themselves loose right in front of you of everyone and they still chased the one chased the other one the whole way across the field while everybody was there. <laughs> but I, a neighbor ended up telling me 
that that those two deer were locked antlers earlier in the day, almost three quarters of a mile away oh, in another man. field. Jeez. He said he watched them for almost a half hour locked antlers. They got loose and ran that direction, and then they got locked antlers again. That is absolutely intense, man. <laughs> you never hear about that in PA, you know. No. It's just, I don't even know when the next time that'll ever happen <laughs> because yeah. it's just for that two big bucks like that. And I never did hear anybody ever kill the eight point. I've still been waiting to hear that buck and it's probably dead now, but I never heard any word of it because it was at least a 130 inch, 130, 135 inch eight point. And that's a super solid deer for that's, PA, that's man. That's good. Bu- and especially being an yep. eight point. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, that's, <laughs> that's awesome story, man. I'm so glad you told that one because. <laughs> Honestly, that is probably one of my favorite videos that you have on your channel. And anybody who's listening, I know he told the story, but it doesn't even do the video justice. Go out and watch that hunt. It is so exciting. It's so awesome. It's a great deer. I mean, everything about it is just so much fun. Yeah, yeah. it just it just goes to show I was wearing blue jeans and no can- orange camo or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Like. You can, uh, if you want to really uh, just look at how I'm dressed, you can definitely tell I was not planning on killing a buck or, you know, I was just going out with the gun just to scare some deer around and then break them up out of their bedding areas and then try to walk through the woods later to hunt them. I would have not been wearing what I was wearing, you know, uh, <laughs> when you see me actually with the deer at the end of the video. Yeah, uh, yeah with man. your brown jacket on that. and blue jeans. I'm looking at it right now. Man, that buck is beautifully symmetrical, too. Oh, it's a crazy Goodness, buck, is man. he gorgeous. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, John, we're getting closer to time here. Um, one thing we do like to do, we don't do it every episode, but I feel like this episode kind of kind of calls for it. Can we do a little bit of rapid fire? Are you down for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Sounds cool, man. All right. I like it. So, number one, we ask everybody this question. What's your number one tip for a new hunter? Uh, enjoy the outdoors. Uh, it, just enjoy being in the woods. Don't think about actually setting a goal to try to kill something. The goal actually should be just to enjoy God's creation, just having fun being in the woods. You know, it's not about the kill. It's just about being out in the woods, either by yourself or with a friend and family member where you can just talk and just be with each other and enjoy god's creation awesome awesome beautiful beautiful all right john a 60 inch rattlesnake or a hundred and let's make it 160 inch whitetail buck which one would you pick which one would you pick i would take the rattlesnake unless i killed that deer with a bow or a flintlock (laughs) beautiful (laughs) i like that answer if i had to use a rifle i would take the snake I was assuming with a bow, personally. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, because with 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 a bow, um, or a flintlock. Yeah, um, or flintlock. But yeah. yeah, with a with a rifle, I'd have to pick the snake. Nice. <laughs> I dig that answer a lot. Um, if you had to pick one person, past or present, doesn't matter what time period, who it could be, anything, who would you pick to hunt with? <sighs> Man. That's a tough one because there's so many good I was people. Say, we probably could have sent these to him earlier. <laughs> we should have. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty I, tough. Probably my grandfather because he told me some crazy deer stories when he was younger, when he went deer hunting. And this type of stuff that they did when they deer hunted. But he's too old. The, the closest he ever came to hunting was he's like, while you guys are out deer 
hunt, and I know that big buck's going to come right in the front, right in front of the front porch of the camp. So I'm going to sit here on the front porch with the with the rifle. Well, <laughs> like I don't think he's going to walk through all the cars, you know, here at camp. But that was the closest to hunting I ever saw at him. But I know he used to hunt a lot when he was younger. But uh, yeah, I'd probably go hunting with him because he said he was always a good shot and made some crazy shots and killed some deer in some crazy ways. So yeah, oh, awesome. Man. That's who I would pick too, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah, my grandfather. That'd be that'd be the one. All right, mornings or afternoon hunts? Afternoon. I dig that. I'm a big fan of afternoon I, hunts. I just I've gone to the point where I just feel like I just have out of all the years and all the morning hunts, it's it's almost like tradition. You have to go out in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's opening day. You're going to be out there in the morning, and or you're going with a friend. You're going to go out, but. I've just seen too much in like that one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. It's like, why? I'm usually like out of the tree stand, get something to eat and then coming back at this time. And that's when I started getting into the stand earlier. So I would pick afternoons. I like that answer a lot. What's your favorite Leatherwood Outdoors video if you had to pick one? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's hard. And there's so many good yeah. ones, man. Oh man, I really don't know. Now, uh, like right now, I'm thinking that thirty forty Craig Buck. Sweet, that's probably one of the craziest videos. But the other video that's popping into my head, I wasn't even there. I just edited the video. Um, was the video where they were killing deer with bows on deer drives? <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> that is such a cool video. That that was basically the video that put us on the map. Yeah. Um, because when that video come out, it was partially controversial and that's what it really went up to like on hunting PA forums and stuff like that, that it, and then archery talk was real popular at that time. And so, you know, people were posting that video everywhere and it was getting lots of views. And so that one was crazy. That like was revolutionary. Nobody ever seen that before. Yeah. I never even seen that before until they brought me the footage. I'm like, I can't believe you guys did this. Because both deer hit the cameraman after they got hit, too. Well, the one cameraman kicked the deer. The other deer kind of ran into the guy's knee. But, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, so, oh, so crazy. Too. <laughs> I was actually going to see if it helped you any by mentioning, did you have a favorite one that you edited? But that kind of answers that one. So, I have one more question. What yeah. is your favorite hunting tradition? Uh, favorite hunting tradition. Oh, I know we're deep in the roots here it, in Pennsylvania. It's got to be a toss up between the day before rattlesnake season and the day before rifle season because the rattlesnake season, that opening day, we'd always go up to camp. Now I missed this year because I I didn't have time to get up there. But the day before, we would all just kind of hang out. We would go fishing. We'd hit the native tr- trout streams. We would just enjoy, like, the first nice weather where we could just sit out and relax. And you see everybody from, because most of the time I only see those guys is that day, you know. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the day before the opening day of rifle season. It's like our family reunion. I see more people the day before rifle season than I do usually any other time of the year because I have family from Florida coming, Maryland, Pittsburgh. And so we all get together down at my grandfather's cabin and we have a big giant poker game and all for fun and stuff. And that sort of been has been tradition, which is kind of going to go away now with the Saturday opener because I don't know if we're going to be able to do that now 
because family members have to are going to be working Friday. They can't really take Friday off because, well, they half of them may not be here till you know, because usually we do that you know Sunday night, right, right, um, and stuff. So they have to be here a lot earlier, coupled with the fact that Thanksgiving is you know right before that too. So I don't know if that tradition will have to end uh, because usually now everyone's going to be get to camp, go to bed, and you know we're not going to have time to you know visit and hang out because that's usually what the the whole Saturday and Sunday was for but yeah we'll see how that plays out this year what we can do with that but those yeah. will probably be the two biggest hunting traditions is just it's always the day before um we used <laughs> to do an archery eve an archer's eve we used to make archer's eve videos we would get together shoot bows the night before have a big cookout but then again it just got to be a little bit more difficult because everyone wants to hang out and they're like, oh yeah, we're all getting up at like four in the morning you know, <laughs> yeah. to go out hunting. And so everyone kind of wanted those videos because I would make a little collab of what we did the whole year, but it just got to be a little bit too much as, especially when things got busier as we got older. But yeah, I'd say the day before snake season, the day before buck season, just the groups of people that would come and enjoying each other's uh, company and reviewing everything from the year before. Those are some of the biggest traditions. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And honestly, if if it were me, I would say don't change anything. Make that tradition even better than years past. So the guys that can't make it into town till later on, don't I wouldn't suggest they change anything, you know, because I think it could I think it could be bigger and better that night before because you could have some guys that come up, they hunt Saturday. Other guys that come up, they can't hunt Saturday. You guys all get together Sunday. So Sunday at the table, you're playing your card game. Some guys have deer stories already to tell. You know, there's more excitement going on. I think it could be bigger and better than ever, to be honest. Yeah, I never really thought of that. It just it just depends on how many people will be staying to hunt that Monday. Right. You know, right. 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 If they're heading home, you know, and they're like, hey, we can hunt that Saturday. And then we have Sunday to visit people because then we're going to head out. But yeah, if they yeah. hunt that Monday, if they take that Monday off, right, like they still were, then yeah, I think that it could be just as good because then you have a day in between or that evening the night before where you still have that time to visit everybody. But yeah, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, that's where, you know, we just have to see how it plays out when that Monday comes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I would think too, like, I don't really think it's really going to change too much having that opening day on Saturday. Most people are already used to taking that Monday off. Now they just have kind of a bonus day. Yeah. You know, I still think people are going to take that Monday off and still have like the normal tradition of taking that opening day supposedly <laughs> off and, and still go out yeah. and hunt. I, th I think where John's coming from and I can agree with him here is that, you know, you don't have to take a day off anymore. And a lot of guys might take advantage of that and just hunt Saturday, you know, and go back to work on Monday and not take that day off and maybe use that day somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and that, that definitely can happen. You know, I just, I don't want to see something like an extra day of hunting tarnish a tradition, you know, if it doesn't have to, that's, right. that's where, and I don't right. think our group, it, it'll be that way. Cause I know we take those days off regardless. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it again. You can never, I mean, me personally, I can never say no to another day in the woods. You know, that's, yeah. that's the hard part, but we can't, we that's cannot where, get like into I that. Said, I really don't know how it's going to play out with, yeah. you know, with the family members from yep. different states, out of state, how far they have to travel. Guys from Pittsburgh, okay, they don't have to travel so far, but 
they're obviously not going to take Friday off where like guys from Florida, they're, they're going to have to take Friday off. Right, right. right. And so in order to get up in here, up here in time, now whether they get some vacation, you know, whether they plan to make an extra long vacation with the Thanksgiving and then, you know, maybe they have, well, you know, I can't make it up for that Saturday because I have family stuff down here. If we get up, you know, we would have to leave, you know, Friday and then get up there first thing Saturday. It, it just, you never know because then it depends on how far you have to drive to camp. If you're driving, you know, from Pittsburgh up here, some of the guys only have to drive an hour. I know there's other people that drive two and a half hours to go to camp. You know, the process of getting camp up, getting off of work at four or five o'clock, driving two or three hours, opening camp up, then boom, you better be in bed. And yeah. it's just, you know, the, the, the hair, the tradition of just sitting around the campfire and talking and just relaxing may not be there, but you never know because there's people that are working Saturday too, and that's what they use the Sunday. I don't know. So yep. that's where we just have to see how it plays out. Yep, it, it, absolutely. It, it might be just as good. If we might, if guys start taking Monday off, then you have that Sunday where you can visit. We, there's multiple deer camps in the family around, but we all go to my grandfather's for the poker tournament. But before that, we bounce from camp to camp and everyone sort of gets to see each other. And then whoever wants to play poker comes down to play the poker game. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. That's yeah. That's a pretty cool tradition. I dig that. Yeah. I like it a lot. Absolutely. Well, John, where can everybody find out about Leatherwood Outdoors if they haven't heard about it before? You know, if they're living under a rock, <laughs> where's everywhere they can find you? Well, we got two YouTube channels, Leatherwood Outdoors and Leatherwood Outdoors 2. The second channel, Leatherwood Outdoors 2, is all one word with the number two at the end. And then our main channel is Leatherwood Outdoors, just two separate words, Leatherwood Outdoors. And then we have a Facebook page, and you can find us on Instagram, and that's pretty much it. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming on and just chatting with us for a while and sharing your experiences and telling stories, and it's been an awesome time, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we had yeah, a lot of fun. Guys, have a good thing going, and uh, it's good to share stories and talk about Everything, you know, we've covered ice fishing to snake hunting. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely yes, we did. did. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, you're welcome to come back on anytime you want, my man. That's right. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, John. Appreciate it, man. Yep, yep, see ya. Well, again, a huge thanks to John Royer for coming on the podcast and talking to us for as long as he did. He didn't have to do that, but we appreciate his time. Make sure you guys head over and check him out on Facebook, Instagram, and both of their YouTube channels at Leatherwood Outdoors and Leatherwood Outdoors 2. Give them a like, subscribe. You guys won't be won't be mad if you subscribe to their channel. They are constantly putting out good stuff. You'll absolutely love it. I know I do. I'm sure you will too. As always, you guys can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Go Wild, Twitter, all those fun places. Make sure you head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. It helps other hunters like you find our podcast, and it helps us out tremendously. But other than that, guys, this is it for this week, and we will continue to pump out the podcast. It's been a little bit sporadic recently. That's due to time constraints, but we are going to be back on track as of next week. So stay tuned for more content. The distraction is real. From antelope in the western plains to the whitetails of the Midwest and giant black bears in Canada, watch 100% bow hunting action on Respect the Game, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.